Well, welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief Zach Miller. Um, last week was Money 2020 Europe. Uh, I didn't have a chance to go, but Tearsheet sent two of our top reporters. Uh, and I thought it'd be a great opportunity to bring uh, both Rebecca and Yulia onto the program to talk about some of their takeaways, some of the things they saw on the ground. Um, maybe we could first start by you guys introducing yourself. Yulia, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, lovely to be here and to be back home. Honestly, it's been quite the week last week, super intense, but really lovely to see everyone in person. I think everyone was excited to just kind of have a an in-conference, uh, in-person experience. And um, yeah, um, Rebecca, it was great to see Rebecca as well. Um, what do you think, Rebecca? How was it for you? Yeah, I'm Rebecca. Uh, I had a studio. <laughs> It was it was really awesome. Uh, I've been working with Julia for like a year and we just, you know, hugged for the first time. And that was really cool. Also, just being in person and just feeling the the experience of just being around people. So much of our work and so much of other people's work is really, you know, just in front of a computer. So actually just like rubbing shoulders, having snacks, having drinks and just cracking jokes with people was so awesome. Uh, you guys put your finger on something that I hadn't really expected to hear. And as as much because I haven't traveled much during the during the pandemic, I was at Money 2020 um, in the U.S. in Vegas last year. But um, it's not only about, I guess, uh, companies going out and meeting their partners and their and their customers. But um, we've been working. We have a distributed workforce here at Tearsheet. You guys had never actually really met. So it was an opportunity for you guys actually to to connect and um, and to solidify those relationships. I hadn't really expected that. Um, did you see that help happening elsewhere? Was that something that like, were, were teams like kind of really getting into it together? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think uh, it was maybe not so much internal teams, but it was also um, now with a lot of partnerships happening between financial services companies, you definitely have that sentiment of people meeting for the first time after collaborating um, online or digitally, and um, just kind of having that sense of, you know, in a way togetherness and that we all exist in physical form and not just virtually. Um, and you definitely see kind of the value of that, of having that in-person interaction after, you know, a long time where we've uh, been isolated. So, um, but as at the same time, it was also a little bit overwhelming. So I think in the first day, we all felt a little bit, you know, um, you, you enter the venue and it's so bright and so colorful and it's full, you know, of, of all these accessories and all these areas. And it was just, you know, taking the time to explore and to become familiarized with the environment and where everyone's sitting at um, and then actually uh, we felt a little bit rusty. I was talking to a lot of people and we were all saying we're, we're feeling a bit rusty, like having this in-person chat and and trying to, you know, kind of reestablish those connections, those in-person connections. So but towards the end, everybody felt a bit more relaxed and we kind of got into the momentum of it. So, um, yeah, by the end, we all, I think, had a really great experience. Yeah, it was definitely like overwhelming at some points. And I think towards the end, I still wasn't I was, I was still discovering things I had never seen. Um, the Rise is a massive venue and, and from talking to companies that had been there in previous years, 
um, th this event was using up way more space in the venue itself, uh, meaning that the conference has grown. Um, so not only the conference has grown, also companies have grown. So the booths got bigger, more companies on the floor. And there was definitely a lot of joy. It was overwhelming, but it was a lot of joy. I asked a lot of people, you know, like, is, is in person the same as it was beforehand? And uh, a lot of people said that it was, it's actually better in a sense. Like it is the same, like we are back to normal. There is like this, you know, natural sense that, you know, okay, we know how to do this, but there's so much more excitement around it. So much more um, anticipation for the event and so much more excitement during the event because we haven't done this for so long. Um, and it's not all about the pandemic, right? Like there's just our partners, for example, um, I met with Galileo and I had many like in-person conversations and as many conversations that we've had on Zoom, you know, just one example of, our, of one of our partners, like nothing really beats just sitting in front of someone and just, we, you know, talking about TV and just whatever shows we were binging. And um, that was the really cool. Side. The yeah. personal side, you know, because it's just people, but it's really hard to get into that when you're just exchanging emails, even if you add a smiley face, like it's really, it doesn't really do it as much as just actually going out for a drink or something like that. I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, the more you've shared about the experience, the more I wish I, I would have been able to go um, maybe next year. But um, I want to shift gears and move into sort of some of the takeaways that you guys had, um, maybe about the the some of the trends that you were hearing on the floor. But first I want to ask, like you mentioned that there is joy. I heard both of you say that, um, but how much of the, what's happening in the macro um, sort of the, you know, crypto and FinTech meltdown, um, how much of that, I guess, seeped into the conference? Was, was it sort of still a celebration or was there a feeling that, wow, the storm clouds are also gathering? I, I was definitely talking about it. People weren't talking to me about it. I was talking to other people about it. I was asking <laughs> you like them, you know, on the parade. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is great. You know, but what do you think about the the potential recession that we're, that we're stepping into? What do you think about, you know, the inflationary landscape? Uh, what do you think about just Fund, funding drying up? Yeah. Like, yeah. and, and obviously, you know, it's just gone worse since, since in the past week alone. Mm -hmm. um, so I was bringing up those questions um there's a lot of uncertainty there's a lot of question marks it's not we're not you know no one is oblivious to what's going on however from that macro perspective um obviously regulation is a good thing that's kind of the the overwhelming take of this is a good thing the growth that we've seen in the past two years is not healthy and needs to be regulated the the winners in the game are going to survive mm -hmm. um for better or worse a lot of people won't um but that overall, that like it's a good thing. It's hard, but it's a good thing, right? And it and it and it's cyclical as well. It's a cycle, and it was interesting because quite a few people that I talked to about this that have been to more money. This was my first money twenty twenty. Uh, so talking to people that have more experience at this conference, they were telling me kind of the trajectory that that the dominating narrative is taking. So it used to be all about disruption and about the uh, innovative companies that are going to stay. Um, and then you had the investment boom that we've seen over the past, like last year, maybe the year before, um, where there was just a lot of cash pumping into the startup scene. Everybody wanted to bet on the next high growth company that acquires com customers at any cost. But now the sentiment is shifting more to the health of the underlying business. So what is the actual good businesses that are, are out there? Um, and this, this kind school. of, 
Old school, yeah. And now yeah. it's a lot more from, so it's from disruption towards prof- profitability. It's mm-hmm. everybody wants to see profits. They want to see results. Um, and as I said before, it's part of the cycle. Um, but I think what's exciting about this one compared to maybe other ones is um, this kind of sentiment that the that the pandemic triggered, which is it's all digital. So it's this new digital economy that's being unlocked. And I think a lot of them are trying to figure out who is going to be the next like Amazon and fintech. Who's going to mm. who's going to unlock this uh, opportunity, which with open finance, there's a lot of talk about, you know, open banking um, and the new digital economy, the Internet and everybody's moving online these days. So I think everyone's trying to see who that company is going to be. And I Did asked you come that, away with the, who, who that might be? I asked that question to every single person. <laughs> um, like, who's going to be the biggest booth on the floor next year? Um, many people were not willing to answer. Um, but also, you, you don't know, right? Like, like, I could say, you know, there were some on the floor that have been around for ages. There was, you know, Salesforce, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs. Like, they were still there. Very much strong. Very much, you know, the biggest booths, the biggest budgets. Um, so they're there. I don't they're know. They're on the balcony. They're on the they're, balcony. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The yeah. City wasn't about. Yeah. JP Morgan had a lot, a lot of space. It took up a lot of space. There was a lot mm-hmm. of conversations around auto. Maybe like get back to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, the automobile industry. But yeah, I, I think in, in terms of themes, um, there was a lot of payments. There was a lot of um, ID proofing, I think, is a symptom of, of payments as a necessity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of crypto, obviously. Um, there's a lot of hype around the metaverse. Like a lot of the talks were about the metaverse, but you don't really see that on the floor. You don't really, you're not really talking about that on the floor in the connections. It's all very much a theory. We're not, we're not there yet. So crypto payments, ID proofing. Um, and then just to segue into just another big takeaway is the move to being the catch-all solution. Everyone is- A one-stop every, shop. One-stop shop, A to yeah. Z, uh, you know, just one front-facing solution to the customer and then everything else happening in the back end, whether you're building it or partnering with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the move. Not everyone's ready for it uh, in any way, shape, or form, but I think there's a, a, a kind of global understanding that that's, that's where it's going. Um, so everyone's kind of trying to get on that boat. That's what I saw. One thing which I think is interesting, and I, I do want to talk about this a little bit, um, Given my experience at the U.S. event, um, the banks may be there, but very few of them have, at least last year, they didn't have booths. They didn't have a physical presence on the floor. Um, It sounds like my 2020 Europe is different. They they did have a presence. You did see them. You did feel them there. Um, what, what 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 was the sentiment? What were they doing there? So in my take, um, the the big guys, they didn't exhibit. So they had their own areas. They had, you know, they were in, in kind of separated from the from the, all the buzz that was happening downstairs. JP Morgan did have, you know, a big Audi with projections on it and trying to, you know, discuss the, the future of like mobile payments and stuff like that. But um, the floor was mostly dominated by the disruptors or yesterday's disruptors right who were but that were now more successful and reaching some level of maturity so i think to rebecca's point earlier it was just like 
you you have so many companies now and a lot of payments companies, so many like little shops and who's going to stay there next year. We don't know. Yeah, we, we don't know. Um, I did, I did try really hard to speak to the banks. Um, city had a, a big one up, up there. Um, I spoke to ING bank, which is super international, super mm-hmm. big, but they're based um, in the Netherlands. So um, naturally they were represented there. Um, and I asked them, I asked them, you know, where are the traditional banks? Um, less traditional banks in terms of having booths, but I did see a lot of innovation teams from traditional banks around the world walking the floors, having those conversations. So they're still represented there, but I think, like you said, Julia, like maybe there's like less to exhibit and more for them to just like take home and, you know, do their homework perhaps. Um, yeah, it makes space for it makes space for the new kids on the block, right? Because now um, it's also they. I don't feel that, I don't think they feel as threatened as maybe they did before. Because now it's more it's more about partnering. It's more about finding value in like a bundle of services. So and they know they can't innovate as fast. So it's just like a better play for them to let others do it and then you know hop in on that train or acquire or you know. So it's just maybe the the attitude is a little bit more different um and um yeah the floors are kind of more reserved to to the innovators interesting i assume they're probably they're also looking to make investments or to acquire companies over time um was there a venture capital or private equity presence as well either on stage or walking around did you feel that uh, I didn't particularly feel that, but I did have conversations with, I mean, other people that, you know, were startups, they were still raising money and things like that. They were telling me that they've, they've met with uh, their respective investors. So I think that was happening a little bit more behind the scenes. Okay. Um, I'd love to ask you each a question through your own personal lens. Like, Yuli, I know, you know, green finance is something that that you've really dove into. And and Rebecca, you really focus on on marketing, customer acquisition, that piece. So I'd love to hear your impressions of the show um, through that lens. Like, so we could start with Yulia. Like, where was green finance? And I know it's something we've, we're ramping our, our coverage and something that's important to, to our coverage set and universe. Um, has that hit the floor yet? Has that hit the show? It's definitely hit the show part. So there was a whole stage uh, dedicated to this type of, uh, you know, these types of talks about around sustainability and, uh, financial equity and things like that. It was all covered in plants and uh, very beautiful. And you had a lot of representatives from all kinds of companies, a lot of payment companies actually um, uh, talking, but there wasn't a presence from um, climate fintechs, let's say, or green fintechs or mm-hmm. companies that are actually doing something in this space. I've talked, there were only um, a two or three booths that I've seen, which was less than I expected. Um, But with other financial services companies that I've spoken to, they're all interested in offering this product, you know, offering more, um, you know, carbon accounting and putting, you know, like for, for customers to see their, their carbon footprint on like a banking app. So offering this kind of API as a service. Uh, So the demand is definitely there, but I guess, I was a little bit disappointed for, with regards to the boost, the presence. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't have the budget yet. It's still like it's still a new industry, but it was it was great to see people talking about it. So they definitely reserved uh, some space for these conversations to take place. 
Got it. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see. I think I think we're early in that. I think banks are starting to get their arms around what their policies are and, and thinking about it. Like I don't, it, it feels like it's still a preparatory stage of, of sort of the evolution of this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, Rebecca, I'm curious for you. Like I know you speak to CMOs and product managers and people tasked with you know growing brands and acquiring customers. Like how much of my 2020 Europe was focused on talking about that, those topics or tools? Were there tools on the floor, companies that help with that? Was that even, is that a theme anymore if we're talking about profitability and not necessarily growth at all costs? Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't call it like marketing your theme. It's, it's everywhere. It's yeah. everything. Um, I think it's this conference and other conferences, but this conference for sure, like it's just bringing out the best of the best, you know, which is the best faces the best swag, the best booths, the best everything, you know, just attracting people to you and having that conversation. Like the talks were really interesting, but there was, there wasn't really marketing there. Like what I was shocked about, you know, from a marketing perspective is that every single thing is branded, every single thing, things that I didn't think could be branded or branded. <laughs> right? <it> was, yeah. <laughs> like, socks. <laughs> but, I mean, I feel like socks is like not even exciting. It just, there was so much socks. Right. But like oh then, so many socks and just, you know, the obvious like swag stuff, but um, everything was branded. So obviously you had the sponsored breakfast, you have the sponsored like mini events within the event, you had the sponsored events after the event, right? We went to a rapid party and like every, like every single drink at that party had a rapid branded cocktail mixer um, in it, <laughs> you know, it just became, it felt like absurd at some point um, that every single thing is branded. And then, on an exciting front, you know, there was a lot of content being made. Uh, a lot of studios, a lot of content creators on the floor, videographers, mm-hmm. interviewers. Um, there was like the Money 2020 studio space, which was really cool. And then there was mm-hmm. the live podcast. I think it was called Money Pot, like Honey Pot, um, where you could come in and put on a headset and just listen into the live podcast. There were magazines, which, you know, print is not dead. Uh, I brought them home. I'm really excited about, you know, just going through them. And obviously everything there is is sold and marketed um, and branded. So a great opportunity for, for marketing, <laughs> like anything on that floor, for sure. And Rebecca got the best swag, by the way. Like every day we were comparing swag and Rebecca was winning every day. Highly curated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> always highly curated. <laughs> what about... Um... Parody with women on stage, women presenting, women on the floor. Like, what was your impression towards that? Uh, there were quite a few women. I was I was pleasantly surprised to see that. Um, there's also a stat from uh, the director, I think, of Money 2020. Uh, she said that 43% of speakers on the stage were women, compared to 11% four years ago. And then she uh, commented saying that no one walks out on the stage because of what they look like. They walk out because they really know their their stuff and they just happen to be women. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's great, great development there. And um, there are women, um, you know, hosting panels. They were on the panels um, and yeah, everybody knew what they were talking about. So it just felt like like a, a normal, you know, we're kind mm-hmm. of, you know, this could be the new normal, you yeah. know? Yeah. Almost like, yeah. almost not really <laughs> like, like, like we're, we're on the way there. Right. But we're not mm-hmm. really, you know, when I was like going around looking f- to speak to the executive representatives of different 
um, banks and fintechs, I was asking specifically to talk to a woman because I was always handed, you know, a man and like, that's great. And it's so easy, but it, it just became, it was a little bit harder to, to speak, to, to speak to women. Um, I think it's important um, to, for us as a media brand is a non is an objective media brand, you know, covering the entire industry to, to intentionally bring out those voices because they are out there. Like you said, everyone knows their stuff. Yep. It's not, it's not like virtue signaling. We're not putting on a show. Um, but it, it can still have to go that extra mile to like get those voices represented. So I, I, we try to do that. Um, and it definitely felt that way on the floor. I think we still obviously have ways to go. Definitely an issue we know well at Tearsheet when we're building out our programs for our shows and um, when we're working with companies to put forth their executives, we typically get men. And um, there are definitely women out in the companies that are well spoken for and whatever, but they, so we have to work a little bit harder. And uh, it's great that the industry is, is moving towards that. Um, I want to go back and I guess maybe this is a good place to end. It sounded like both of you said like, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of innovation there, meaning it was like a lot, it, it, it sounded like a lot of me too's and a lot of copycats, a lot of like similar type models. There may be this convergence that you both described about being a one-stop shop, um, which typically feels like being something to everybody and not necessarily being really, really unique. Um, I'd love for you guys just to, to, to end with that and talk about sort of maybe use it as a lens to look out into the future. Um, you know, maybe we're sort of, you know, we're at a stage where we're assimilating a lot of changes in the industry and, you know, I don't know if it's crypto or something else, but like the, the next big disruptions, like somewhere out there, or it could be something else entirely, but I'm just kind of curious about what, if you saw a sea of sameness there, um, cause it sounds particularly in payments and payments facilitation, that you guys, I know that some of our conversations, that was sort of what you you reported back. Yeah, there's, there's like a sense, you know, like walking away, looking back on it, that there were like a few real innovators on the floor and a lot of people just doing the same thing, like slightly mm -hmm. iterated. You know, it's like copycats, but not really copycats. They're just, you know, doing their own, a matching business model to some degree. Um, I don't know what this means for the future. I can only imagine that not everybody's going to last um and that to to deliver a really good experience that is not only you know from the back end like smooth but also the ux because the back end is there's there's nothing new there um so you have to really deliver an all-around uh beautiful experience that delights and captures audiences um if you're able to do that i think we'll see you again next year uh, if not, maybe not. <laughs> if you have a hundred thousand dollars to spend on a booth, sure. That that as well. Those budgets, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about you, Julia? My take is that it's just a symptom of the past couple of years. So you know, you had a huge uh, investment flowing into the sector, and uh, models that worked, and then others wanted to apply it, and you know, trying to see what sticks. Um, so. And also a symptom of the segmentation of the market, right? Because you have, you don't have, you have the big players, but now you have all kinds of like little infrastructure companies that are trying to make a mark or trying to partner with, with all kinds of people. Um, so now, given the current macroeconomic environment and kind of, you know, this new focus on profitability, um, we're, we won't see everyone next year. And I think everybody, everybody expects that. Um, 
and you know some even go even launch a startup with the purpose of being acquired or with the purpose of being merged into something else so it's not like everybody's um you know showing up to present something new so it's just i think it's just a symptom of the cycle and then um next year we're going to see the the healthy businesses the healthy companies the one who are able to create something new for for the for the industry and i think also who are able to partner really well so it's not just about your product but it's it's about how you collaborate mm. with the wider ecosystem because um the demand i think is increasingly for holistic solutions it's 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 about uh, it's about plugging allowing your product to be plugged in to other people's products so a client doesn't have to go to three people in order to have one thing they want to go to one person and then you know or or you know have a bundle of services all together so yeah i think it's definitely going to change in the future um, given the the status of the market right now, and also the macro um, waves that are happening, yeah, I'm really excited to go back next year and see how it unfolds. It'd be this great to hear from your perspective exactly yeah. how, how, how it's changed year to year. Um, I think it's a great place to end our conversation. I really appreciate speaking both uh, to Rebecca and to Yulia. Um, I think that idea of how well you partner, um, I think that's a good place to end because Definitely. that's the name of the game, like. If we're talking about open finance and European terminology or, or, you know, just interoperability ecosystems, whatever, it becomes how well you can partner and whether you're a big company mm -hmm. or small company, I think that's a skill that we definitely have seen up close that um, everybody in the industry is learning to, to improve. And um, yeah. And uh, thank you. Thank you for joining me on the Tearsheet podcast today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Zach. And thanks everyone for listening and see you at the next 2020. Yeah.